And we're going to be reading Exodus chapter 10. This is the Lord's word this morning. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and of your grandson how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh and said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your country, and they shall cover the face of the land so that no one can see the land. And they shall eat what is left to you after the hail. They shall eat every tree of yours that grows in the field. They shall fill your houses and the houses of all your servants and of all your Egyptians, as neither your fathers nor your grandfathers have seen from the day they came on earth to this day. Then he turned and went out from Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's servants said to him, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go, that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet understand that Egypt is ruined? So Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go, serve the Lord your God, but which ones are to go? Moses said, We will go with our young and our old. We will go with our sons and our daughters and with all our flocks and herds, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. But he said to them, Oh, the Lord be with you, and if ever I let you and your little ones go, look, you have some evil purpose in mind. No, go, the among a menu, and serve the Lord, for that is what you are asking. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, so that they may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every plant in the land. All the hail is left. So Moses stretched out his staff over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind upon the land all that day and all that night. And when it was morning, the east wind had brought the locusts. Locusts came up over all the land of Egypt, settled on the whole country of Egypt, such a dense swarm as has never been seen before, nor will ever be seen again. They covered the face of the whole land so that the land was darkened. They ate all the plants and all the fruit of the trees that they had left. Not a green thing remained, neither tree nor plant of the field, through all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh hastily called Moses and Aaron and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now therefore forgive my sin, please, only this once, and plead with the Lord your God only to remove this death from me. So he went out from Pharaoh and pleaded with the Lord. And the Lord turned the wind into a very strong west wind, which lifted the locusts and drove them into the Red Sea. Not a single locust was left in all the country of Egypt. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go. And the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness to be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the people of Israel had light where they lived. Then Pharaoh called Moses and said, Go, serve the Lord. Your little ones also may go with you. Only let your flocks and your herds remain behind. But Moses said, You must also let us have sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock must go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind, for we must take of them to serve the Lord our God. We do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. He would not let them go. Then Pharaoh said to him, Get away from me. Take care never to see my face again, for on the day you see my face, you shall die. And Moses said, As you say, I will not see your face again. 
Sends a reading of the Lord's word this morning. Let's pray and ask him to bless it to us. Father in heaven, as we come before your word, we ask that you would illuminate for, illuminate for us. Cast away, Lord, our blindness and our darkness, that we may see clearly who you are, that we may know you and serve you. Guide us, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. So seeing is believing, right? Probably heard that phrase before, right? To see is to believe, seeing is believing. All reasonable people, they understand that you have to see something in order to believe it. Right? Or at least that's how lots of people think. And that's the excuse that they give for why they don't believe in God. They don't believe in God because they've never seen Him. But the reality is that even if the Lord were to be someone who you could see, even if, say, for example, God came down from heaven and he walked upon the earth and he healed the sick and let's say he raised the dead and let's say he fed a bunch of people and let's say he walked around among us and let's say that he taught with such authority that no one could ignore him, even if he did all of that, would people believe? And the answer is... Clearly, they did not. Even though God showed them and was visible to them, they still did not believe. So clearly, seeing is believing does not, is not true. The simple answer is, they chose to not believe. They've chosen that. No matter what evidence may come before their eyes, they would not believe. Sort of like Pharaoh. If seeing truly were believing, then Pharaoh should be the strongest believer there is. Because he has seen over and over again things that no person has ever seen. We have in our passage things that no one has ever seen before and no one will ever see again. These vast plagues and signs that the Lord gives should have made Pharaoh the biggest believer ever. And yet, he's not. And so we need to ask, why not? We need to ask, what is the Lord doing? Has the Lord failed? Has he failed to show, can convince Pharaoh? That's correct. God has not failed. In fact, what the Lord has done is he has sent these ten plagues, or rather ten signs is the better word for it, ten signs so that Pharaoh may know that he is the Lord and so that his people may know that he is the Lord. So what's a sign? What does that mean? And what are these signs meant to accomplish? And why does Pharaoh not believe if God is showing these signs to him? And here's our main point this morning. And if you're following along in your, in your outline, I'm sorry, the, the thesis is slightly different from the outline. So this is the right one. Um, the signs of the Lord reveal the blindness of those in rebellion. But they free his people to know Him and to serve Him. The signs of the Lord reveal the blindness of those in rebellion, but they free His people to know Him and to serve Him. So first we'll find out what a sign is, and then we'll explore how the Lord uses these signs. So what is a sign? Well, what the Lord says in verse 1, He says, Go into Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord... Oops... 
That's the wrong one. Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened the heart, his heart, and the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them. So everything that the Lord has done up to this point, every plague, every turning the water into blood, the locusts that we see here, the death of the, uh, the livestock, everything that the Lord has done has been a sign of the Lord. So clearly, it's an act of God. It's something amazing and powerful. Multiple times, the Lord has now said that he sends these signs so that you may know that I am the Lord. So that you may know that there is none like me. So that you may know that the earth belongs to the Lord. A sign reveals the Lord. It teaches those who see it who he is. It reveals his, his power, his justice, his mercy, his authority. And often they are miraculous and wondrous or mysterious. But they reveal something in the Lord and they also reveal something about those who see them. Because these signs that we have seen over and over again have not resulted in Pharaoh repenting and believing. He is seeing the Lord. He's he's seeing what God is showing him. And yet, all that we see in Pharaoh is blindness. Read verse 1 again. The Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them. Now on the surface, right, it seems to mean that what the Lord, is, the Lord is preventing Pharaoh from seeing. It seems to say that God is saying, I'm going to show him, but I'm not going to let him understand. I'm not going to let him believe it. But the ESV doesn't quite capture what the Lord is, is saying here. What the Lord says is, he hardens the heart of Pharaoh in order that I may put these signs of mine in his inner parts. And you're saying, well, that's weird. That's an odd turn of phrase. Here's what I think this means. And to be honest, I'm not entirely sure. It's kind of a little weird. But I think what the Lord is saying is that he's not saying that he's preventing Pharaoh from responding with faith. He is saying... That his signs are revealing what's inside Pharaoh. That as he puts these signs in Pharaoh's heart, it's illuminating Pharaoh's heart for everyone to see. And in order to do that, he has hardened Pharaoh so that he may show sign after sign after sign that shows the whole world what's really in Pharaoh's heart. So what is inside Pharaoh's heart? Spiritual blindness. Notice how in verse 7, even Pharaoh's own servants say to him, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let this man go that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet understand that Egypt is ruined? Even Pharaoh's own servants are like, they see it. They see that Pharaoh doesn't understand. They see that he's somehow blind to what's happening around him. And so what the Lord does in our chapter is he sends two signs where the Lord, for for lack of a better word, toys with Pharaoh. Because these next two plagues, these next two signs are about blindness. In verse 14, 
the Lord sends these locusts up over the land of Egypt. They set on the whole country of Egypt. Such a dense swarm of locusts has never been before, nor will ever be again. And they covered the face of the whole land, so that the land was darkened. These three says they covered the face. To be more specific, it says they covered the eyes of the land. It's as if the land itself is going with the locusts. The Lord is poking at Pharaoh and saying, As you have refused to see me, now you will not be able to see the land that you so dearly love. Because notice how when the Lord says he's going to send these, these locusts, back in verse 4 and 5, he's going to send these locusts so that no one can see the land. They shall eat what is left to you after the hail. They shall eat every tree of yours that grows in the field. They shall fill your houses and the houses of your servants. Yours, yours, yours. Everything that you think belongs to you, I will take away. And you will not be able to see it because you have refused to see me. It's like the Lord is saying, after all the locusts come and eat everything, this land is darkened and devoid of every green thing in verse 15. It's like the Lord is saying, this is what your heart looks like, Pharaoh. Darkened, blind, and completely devoid of any life. And that's why Pharaoh says that this plague is death. In verse 17, he says, plead for the Lord to remove this death from me. Only he doesn't realize that God is actually talking about Pharaoh's heart. Even now, the sign reveals that he is blind to what the Lord is saying to him. And then the Lord drops literal blindness on Pharaoh. In verse 22, Moses stretched out his hand, stretches out his hand towards heaven, and there was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. Again, it's like the Lord is saying, this is what your heart is like. This is what your spiritual blindness has produced. Because what does it mean that nobody moved for three days? They're dead. They're not actually dead, but it's as if the Lord is saying, your heart is dead. Your heart is blind. And so he sends this darkness, a darkness so devoid that no candle or lamp could penetrate it. But there's another meaning, I think. Because notice that while Egypt is in darkness, there is one place where there is light. Verse 23, they did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the people of Israel had light where they lived. Why is that? How come Israel gets light and Egypt doesn't? And think about this. God is light. And in him there is no darkness. So because there's darkness in Egypt and there is light with Israel, it's like the Lord is saying, I have removed my presence from Egypt. But he is present with his people. 
He has stepped away from Egypt. And the implications of this are more than just the Lord saying, here's here's the danger, Pharaoh. It's like the Lord is saying, this is it. There is no more opportunities for you to repent anymore. Your heart is dead and blind. And so what happens at the end of our passage? Pharaoh burns his last bridge. Verse 28, Pharaoh said to Moses, Get away from me, take care to never see my face again, for on the day you see my face, you shall die. Moses said, As you say, I will not see your face again. This is where Pharaoh's spiritual blindness has led. Separation from God and separation from his last line of mercy that God has extended him. This is where all sin leads. It leads to death. It leads to separation from God. It leads to darkness. But if the Lord's signs reveal Pharaoh's darkness, they're doing something different for Israel. I want you to go back and read verse 2. And that you may tell in the hearing of your son and of your grandson how I dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I have done among them that you may know that I am the Lord. If the signs are revealing Pharaoh's blindness, they are causing his own people to know him, which is the opposite of blindness. Because in the Bible, right, to know God, it, it, it's more than just knowing a few facts about God. To know God is, is more than just having the first few catechisms memorized. To know God means to be in close relationship with Him. It means to have a deep understanding of Him. It means to draw close to Him. It means to love Him. To trust Him. And that's why the Bible uses the word to know when it talks about husband and wife. Because they know each other. It's more than just having a few facts about your spouse. It's being in that close relationship. The love and the trust and the care, the commitment to each other, to have a deep understanding of each other. That's what marriage is because it's pointing to that relationship between His people, God's people, and himself. He wants his people to know him. And so what his signs are doing is they are teaching his people. They are drawing his people close so that they may know him. And that's why there is darkness in Egypt, but there's light with Israel because he is with them. But there's still a problem. Right? That's all well and good, Lord, but there's still that obstacle of Pharaoh. They're still not free. So the Lord says to Pharaoh in verse 3, Thus says the Lord, the God of Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go, that they may serve me. Let my people 
Let my people go. Not yours, Pharaoh. They're not your people. Let my people go that they may serve me. Set them free so that they may serve me. As one author puts it, God is saying to Pharaoh, you have enslaved these people, Pharaoh, but they do not belong to you. They are my people. And I demand that you return my people to me, that they may serve and worship me in the covenantal relationship I'm about to establish. God frees his people. God signs free his people so that they may know him and that they may serve him. And that's why seven times in our passage, the word serve comes up. Because that's what they are being freed to do. Freed to serve. It doesn't sound like it makes sense, right? You're either serving or you're free. What the Lord is saying is, no, freedom is serving me. And not serving any other master. And that's what his signs were sent to accomplish. To reveal Pharaoh's blindness but to set his own people free from Pharaoh so that they may know him and serve him. But there's still a problem. Because, unfortunately, you know the rest of the story of the Bible. right? What does Israel do Like, as soon as they get out of Egypt? Hey, let's go back. You remember how they had, like, cucumbers? We should go back to those cucumbers. Those were great. Israel will time and time again prove herself to be as spiritually blind as Pharaoh was. And an entire generation will not see the promised land because of it. Israel will worship false gods. She will turn from the Lord. She'll ignore the signs that God sent. And she'll be exiled from the land. Does this mean that God's signs have failed? How are we to make sense of that? Well, no, they haven't failed. It's just that all the signs of the plagues, every, every single one of them has been a preview. It's been a sneak peek of a sign that's to come. A sign that is going to free God's people, not from Pharaoh, right? not from slavery to some nation. But God is going to send a sign that is going to free his people from the very spiritual blindness that is in their own hearts. That he's going to send a sign to free them from sin and from death. And it's not a coincidence just like how darkness fell upon Egypt for three days. For three hours, as Jesus hung on the cross, darkness fell on the land. And in that darkness, Jesus cried out, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? That was the greatest sign because it was the greatest act of judgment that God threw his own son into darkness 
that he withdrew his presence from Jesus so that his people would never have to experience that, ever. He draws away from his son so that he can draw close to you. And Jesus did that willingly. The cross, then, is the greatest sign God has ever done because it reveals what the cost of blindness truly is, death and separation from God. But the cross also reveals that through faith, that will never happen to you. That through faith in Jesus Christ, he will never draw away from you. His light will never depart from you. He will never forsake you. Because he's already forsaken his son. And the sin is paid for. And you are set free to know God and to serve him. That is the greatest sign God has ever given us. But so that we never forget, he's given us one more sign that we do every week so that we also remember what God is telling us through the cross. Because God in his grace remembers that we are forgetful. We still battle with blindness. And so in the supper, we are confronted with God's sign where we see the broken body of Christ. We see Christ forsaken by the Father. We see the price of our blindness. And we see that it was paid. And we see in the supper, the supper screams and proclaims freedom for those in Christ. It proclaims that because you are in Christ, what happened on the cross will never happen to you because it is done, it is finished. That those who are in Christ are free. And that they get to know God. And that they get to serve Him. So the supper and God's word call us to remember these things. And God's word calls us to teach our children these things. He calls us to teach our children and our children's children about the signs of the Lord. To tell them what it means that God has died for you. To make your life a sacrifice, a living sacrifice, to point your kids to Christ. So that we all may be continually reminded of the greatest sign God has ever done. So I'd like to invite the elders forward so that we can partake of this sign and rejoice in what God has done. Let's pray. Almighty Lord, we give thanks for all the things that you have shown us today. We thank you for your word, how you have shown us who you are. You have made yourself known to us. And you have taught us how to serve you. But we ask, Lord, that you would grow us in these things. That as we go out this morning, we would be filled with your spirit. That we would draw close to you. That we would seek to serve you in all things, in all ways. Lord, we thank you again. And pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.